Vivian Meyer is considered one of the most important street photographers of the 20th century. In the 50s to the 70s, she set out with her Rolleiflex film camera in the streets of New York and Chicago to document life. She understood that she could tell stories through taking photos of real people living their everyday lives. It's much easier to take photos nowadays, especially with the cameras on our smartphones and apps such as Instagram and Snapchat, which allow us to share those photos instantly to the world. But are likes more important than the meaning behind the photo itself? Fortunately, my guest today still understands that a picture is worth a thousand words. My name is Gabe Burganon, and this is a Dabbler Effect podcast, a podcast where we find out why people are passionate about the things that they're passionate about. My guest today is Steph Uvienko, a journalist based in New York. I met Steph when we were both undergrads at Stony Brook University, and I caught up with her today to discuss her passion for photography. Steph talks about her background in journalism, how she incorporates her personal style on journalism with her podcast, and what she enjoys about the ability to tell stories through street photography. Hi, Steph. Welcome to the Dabbler Effect podcast. Uh, thank you so much for for uh, taking the time to talk to me today about um, your many different passions. Um, yeah, so thank you so much for being here. Of course. I'm always happy to be here. Um, so we met at uh, Stony Brook when we were both undergrads at Stony Brook University. But I, I believe you graduated a year earlier than me and we haven't we haven't been able to talk that much since then so uh, how, how have you been and you know especially with the recent events with the uh, coronavirus pandemic and all that how, how have you been handling the, the situation right uh that is a loaded question for sure <laughs> um, ever since I graduated college I had been on the working path so starting my I guess like professional vocational career um, I'm actually a journalist for this Japanese newswire service called Kyoto News, and I work specifically specifically in the UN. So I was there the moment that we got news that the coronavirus, um, I guess, was discovered. And then it started in Wuhan and China, and then it came over uh, across waters. Um, I've been working from home since then. It's been quite turbulent. And I mean, you know, every day the news you hear just the worst of the worst and it doesn't ever feel like it's getting better but uh if there's any lesson to be learned it's that uh you know this if you're fortunate enough this would be the best time for you to focus on yourself and also to i guess look back on the history too you know like we've suffered through pandemics before and there's definitely a way for us to see the light now Exactly. Exactly. I really agree that when you said that we, sh- we should really focus on ourselves and sort of, and sort of uh, explore new passions. And you know, I'm glad I started this podcast because when I started this podcast, I think I, won- I think this was only like a couple of weeks ago or something, just fairly recent. But uh, when I started the podcast and I was thinking of having people on as guests, you you instantly came up as like, like one of the first people I thought about because you you were really you know, one of my favorite people as a, you know, when I was studying college and, you know, all of my interactions with you were very positive and, and you're not only talented, but you're also, I think you're also very genuine and authentic. And it was, it was always great talking to you. So 
Um, th- you know, thank you for coming on. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm like, I wish you could see my face. I'm gushing. <laughs> um, so you mentioned you work for a newswire, Japanese newswire called uh, Kyoto News. Uh, you, you mind if you could talk more about you know, how you got started working there and you know, how, you, how you applied your background uh, with journalism into that job? Yeah, um, actually, it started quite serendipitously. So um, what happened was that I was working as a freelancer for two for two news companies, and um, I kind of started to get a little tired, mostly mentally exhausted about you know freelancing because my work hours were always erratic. So I had been looking for a new job, and I'd been doing that since the summer since I, I started working actually in January of two thousand. 19 and started looking for a more stable job um, around the summertime. And in the summertime, I'd also decided to go to Greece. And so when I was looking for work, I hadn't really found anything. And then my trip came up in October and I thought, okay, this would be a really great time for me to just recollect. And while I was in Greece, I told myself I wouldn't check any of my emails. I wouldn't go through my phone. I would just be alone in my thoughts and I, I you know, be in the beautiful country and there was this one night where I didn't have anything to do. So I checked my emails and I got an email from a recruiter and I hadn't applied for this job at all. They, they had found me because I put my resume and everything on indeed.com. Right. And so um, while I was in Greece for like a few days, I was frantically sending my resume and some questions that were, they were asking me. And then they asked to interview me, the company. And then right when I landed, like literally an hour after I landed, I had to interview for the company. And that was just the first round. And then I had to go through a second round a couple of days later in person. So that was a that was the very first time I had experienced something so intense in mm-hmm. And the position was for uh, to be United Nations correspondent. And wow. it was that was yeah, that was huge for me because I had never been in um, global, I had never done global international news before. So it was a completely new experience and I was, I was excited to take it on. Um, that's, that's amazing. How, how you can, you, you found out while you were in, in Greece, enjoy, like enjoying like the time with yourself and, and the country and stuff like that. I think that's insane, but, um, yeah, you know, I mean, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, it all worked out in the end, I guess, because now you're, you're working here and you, you know, you have a good job and, um, what are some of the things that that you've been doing in, in terms of the job itself? What are what are some of your responsibilities? Before I had to start working from home, I would report every day to the to the United Nations, and mm. every day, um, usually every day actually, there would be a meeting by the Security Council, and the Security Council the Security Council's mandate is to to look over you know countries obviously all over the world and see where um, they could help the most security wise so um with war mm. um sometimes a little bit of human rights um food uh stuff like mm-hmm. that mm. there'd be a meeting and then uh yeah it's, it's mostly just reporting on whatever the security council is doing mm. um I, I guess as straightforward as it is that's pretty much what it is that i do and i, right. I review ambassadors all over the world i um uh I work with other journalists to make sure that you know we all have the the news together. We're all reporting together, so there's a lot of there's a lot of teamwork involved. Yeah, I'm I'm glad that you're able to apply your your background in journalism with this job, and you know I'm glad that it's in line 
with uh with what you're doing now and and you know aside from from journalism i i mentioned earlier that i've known you as just being very talented like you're a great singer and you're a great photographer and you know i i i'm pretty convinced that you can do anything really you're you're really good at anything oh um <laughs> but um i guess like I guess like with your background in journalism, I know you have a podcast now um, called Ice Cream for Breakfast. Um, can you tell us more about that? And are, are you applying some of your journalism skills in that podcast? Mm-hmm. Um, well, first off, I feel like this is just like one huge hype, one huge hype thing for me. And I, I appreciate it. That's the goal. That's the goal. Oh, my gosh. Um, yeah, uh, Ice Cream for Breakfast started... Um, when I realized that the type of journalism that I really enjoy is not news journalism, is actually um, commentary. And mm-hmm. I really, really love taking the news and putting my own spin to it. Mm-hmm. So, for example, you mentioned earlier before you know we were talking, you mentioned the Black Friday podcast, and uh, that was about, you know, how, I guess, commercially... Um, or ra- rather capitalism in America is really surging people's need all of a sudden to buy things that they don't necessarily need in their life. And, you know, the, the news peg there would be Black Friday. And then my take on it is how we don't, we need to really start reevaluating our priorities and our values and our beliefs. And, you know, that will actually, I guess, start giving more meaning in our life. So the podcast, the podcast Ice Cream for Breakfast came about my own curiosities. And it's pretty much me exploring life and um, how I see life and making sure that it's like, I guess, still relevant to the world so that people can kind of keep up with it. And it's not just like me spurting out random ideas. Yeah. I also noticed that there's sort of like a personal touch in there. Like there's a certain aspect of your personality that you're trying to to express through that mm-hmm. um so yeah that's that's one of the one of my favorite things about listening to your podcast is that you know you can you can you can tell that it's coming from you yeah and i feel like it's very I'm genuine a, yeah naturally i'm like a very creative person so it always it always pained me to take away my creativity when it came to journalistic writing when it came mm. to news writing and so that's why i really enjoy commentary writing because i can always incorporate myself into it and you don't lose that aspect mm-hmm and I also noticed that in in some of your episodes, and also by the way, to the to our to the listeners, uh, you can check out Steph's podcast at uh, I believe it's on Spotify. And did you upload it on on other platforms as well? Yeah, it's on Spotify and it's on uh, SoundCloud and it's also on Apple Podcast. Right. So to the listeners, please check out Ice Cream for Ice Cream for Breakfast, Steph's podcast. Um, uh, and and going back to the podcast, I I noticed that. You have other people on. Uh, I believe uh, some of them are your friends and stuff like that. How is the the collaboration aspect uh, when it comes to recording the podcast? Yeah, that that is the part that I love the most is having people who have ideas of their own too and letting them voice their own uh, opinion because I think that's the most important part. Is the point of the podcast is just to be vocal about what you believe in and to not not be so apologetic about believing in something that other people don't. So I, one of the things that I really learned to love to do when I was learning journalism in school was um, interviewing people. And I definitely wanted to incorporate that in my podcast. So, you know, um, from the start, I, I knew my friends had great ideas 
just so yeah. you know that your friends have great ideas so you would love to talk to them and um I learned interviewing uh I learned interviewing school and then honestly just by practice that's how you get mm. better interviewing one of the tips too that I learned is that usually if it's if you're interviewing someone about something serious or rather um very a very heavy note you just have to let the person speak and sometimes that just means being quiet for a little bit and asking very open-ended questions because everyone has ideas but not everybody has the courage to say them i see so you have to give them that courage you have to give them that trust so you're making them just feel open and and offering them the chance to speak their minds and speak their ideas exactly yeah because how often do you actually have someone really willingly ask you, I want to know what you're thinking. I want to know what you think about this. What do you have to say without any judgments either? Hmm. That's really interesting. And um, I hope you apply this more because uh, I really look forward to your podcast and I'm looking forward to more episodes. And uh, you mentioned earlier that you're planning another one. Uh, I'm not sure if you want to, if you want to, I guess, uh, tell that now or that's, that's still behind, you know, a secret, I guess, right now. But Oh no, of course. I'd love to talk about it. Um, mm-hmm. So I, I, I'm planning to start the podcast the same within the podcast, uh, a podcast with my girlfriend. Her name is Jennifer, and mm-hmm. Jennifer is so smart. Jennifer is incredibly articulate, and she's very, she's very silly and sweet. And I love the way, I love the way that she looks at life, and I love talking to her most of all about the way that she looks at life and the way that I look at life and people and things that are going on. So we're going to start a conversational podcast together just so the both of us can, I guess, be better at that skill, not only mm-hmm. ourselves, but together. And um, yeah, we've, I mean, we've always, we always talk about things. And one of the things that we always wonder when we talk about things is I wonder what other people think about this. And so we want to, I, we want that to come into fruition. Mm-hmm. I'm re- I'm looking forward to that podcast podcast with Jennifer and you know I'm I'm glad that you're thinking about doing it because you can really tell when people are are enjoying the company like in a podcast like you can it it exudes you know you can you can tell that people enjoy talking to each other so I'm glad that you're thinking about doing that and yeah. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, me too. <laughs> um I m- I mentioned earlier that uh you're into photography and that's going to be the the main theme for today's episode um from from your photographs like um i i looked them over again today and i guess i could i would describe them as these were these were sort of the adjectives that i sort of thought about they were very for me they were very serene and very free-flowing and and just very calm i don't know that's that's what i've been feeling with your with your photographs and you're an amazing photographer um but before we get into that um Maybe you could give a brief background on how you got started with photography. What were what were some of your first exposures to the medium? Uh, I guess in general, your your background in photography. Mm-hmm. Um, that yeah, wow, it's been a while. Uh, I started. I can't. You can't even really say. I can't even really say. I started mm-hmm. at a certain point in my life. It's always um, photo taking has always been part of my life. And it started with my parents. Um, actually, I have like three large photo albums just dedicated to my baby pictures because my mom loved documenting through photographs. And um, even as kids, you know, 
my parents couldn't really we didn't really have much when I was when I was really little and my parents I think got um, a Polaroid camera and mm. how they started documenting with a Polaroid and back then film was was very cheap and available and if they had bought a digital camera it would have just been way too expensive and I remember my mom even if we were just going for a walk she'd take the, the Polaroid camera with her and take pictures of me and my brothers like on the steps or like eating ice cream and then eventually my parents were able to buy a digital a little point and shoot camera and they take that everywhere with them and I got old enough to be trusted to to start taking photos with the camera and I guess that's when when the love affair started with photography um I I wasn't really always allowed to take pictures so it was very rare and when I did I really really made the most of it and it wasn't until I got my first job in high school when I got my first DSLR. And that's when I started to be able to explore photography um, completely without any sort of restrictions. Um, mm. And, you know, back then, you don't really, when you start photography, you don't really have direction, at least for me. I don't, I don't know about you, but. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. So you just take pictures of whatever you wanted or whatever you thought was pretty or whatever your aesthetic was at the time. And it wasn't until maybe two or three years ago when I started getting into um portrait photography and mm. I that's also when I started learning too that I really love working with people and I really love learning more about them and just understanding how they view the world and portrait photography was my sort of way of one not only making that person feel good about who they are because you know like you know everybody has their share of insecurities but two is also my way of showing the world who they are who they want how they want to be seen and who I think they are on mm. lately though you know since we've been quarantined i've been taking photos of my house and i've been taking photos of the, the different ways the light hits the house and i've mm -hmm. been paying a lot more intention attention to to light and to shadows and i realized yeah. that that is that's the biggest part of photography is the way that you can bend the light and you can bend the light to show people what you want to see right that's very interesting. And I just actually have these photos open at the moment, um, those pictures at your house. Um, to, to the people who want to check out where, where your, uh, your photos are, uh, where, where, where should people follow you or where should, where should people go to check out your photos? Okay. Uh, so I, I don't post as often, but I, I guess maybe I should start doing that. Um, I have an Instagram. It is at, and I'll spell it out for you, U-V as in Victor, N-C-O. And that's just the the phonetic way of saying my last name, UVM. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. So please, guys, check out her photos. Um, and I guess the overall theme that I'm noticing with your photos is is that I feel like you want to tell a story. I I, I feel yeah. like I feel like telling stories is important for you. But yeah. what kind of stories do you wish to tell with your photos? Um, that's a good question. <laughs> I I don't know. I guess. Uh, lately, like I said, I've just been taking photographs of whatever, um, wherever the light leads me. Um, I, one of my favorite photographers, his name is Dwayne Michaels. Mm -hmm. He, I suppose, I guess you can say he's the pioneer of narrative photography and he started, um, photo sets uh, and telling a story. And, yeah. um, I, I also enjoy that. I like dabbling in that, but usually I, sh I guess I should say that my, my, um, my Instagram doesn't really properly, properly for portray 
the type of photography that I do and how I tell mm. stories. But I like mm. how you can you can still kind of see that in whatever I post and the little minimal things that I post. Mm. Um, I think also like lately I've been honing my eye more on whatever I think is beautiful because I think along the way you kind of get influenced by all sorts of people while you're kind of while you're um, exploring things, and then because of that influence. I start to second guess whatever I think is beautiful and I shoot what I think is supposed to be beautiful. And so it's kind of, I'm kind of like doing a little bit of a, a, a restart on my, my eye and honing in on the world more to what my eyes want to, want to notice as opposed to what I think I should be noticing. I, I feel like um, I'm, a, I'm trying to get the idea together for this, for this song. Cause I'm curious, but when, when you take a photo, do do you focus a lot on on the camera itself or like you said you're you're focusing more on the world itself? I'm I'm not sure if you're thinking more you're thinking about like settings at all when you're taking photos or do do you want to just like be more effortless with it with like telling stories? Right. Uh I actually recently got a, mir- a mirrorless camera so I I I I went into the Fujifilm family too. Because mm. so, you know, with the, with mirrorless, you can see it live when a photo changes. So if you right. the aperture, you can see what it actually looks like. Uh, ever since I bought a mirrorless camera, the settings have been effortless. I don't really pay mm. attention to the setting, and I'm more so look. I just I'm more observant of the world. Mm. If that if that makes a little bit more sense. I do, I do, and because uh, I do a lot of street photography, and and we'll talk about uh, street photography photography in a little while. But yeah, I agree that. Uh, since I do a lot of street photography, it's very quick. You know, when people walk by, you don't really have time to think about what settings my camera is in. Like, I just need to, you just need to like be in the moment and exactly. take that photo. You exactly. know what I mean? You just have to do it. You just have to take the photograph and you can't pay attention to anything because moments are so quick. They just happen right away. Right, right. And and you are, you are getting into street photography lately. Um, I feel like you, I, I feel like you started recently, but... Uh, do you do you enjoy like taking photos of just people like walking by and and stuff like that? Yeah, actually, it's funny because I started I just started uh, street photography like two weeks before we all had to stay at home. So mm. very quick. <laughs> um, right, right. I really enjoy the street photography that happens. I don't know how to how to explain it, but it's almost as if the scene was set up. I don't mm. know if you're familiar with. Um, like what? Who who do you follow? Which street photographers do you follow? There's this there's this really apparently she's consi- considered a legend by a lot of photographers, but her name is Vivian Meyer. Oh yeah, and I love her. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I watched a documentary about her, and you know, it was just very like the stories that she was she was able to tell by just like you know just walking around and just taking photos of people. It's like you'd think, yeah, like like you said, like it it seems like it's set up. It seems like the story is set up, but mm-hmm. in reality, like she was probably also in the moment exactly. taking those photos, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. It looks like um, there are really great photographs. Um, there's I'm trying to f- remember his name, but there's a really great photographer who is Asian, mm-hmm. and what is his name? And he is really known for his very cinematic looking street photography, where it almost as, looks as if the scene is set up. Say like there, mm. there's, um, he's taking a photograph of like a brick wall and it's dark everywhere else, except for this little beam of light. 
and he stays mm. there until somebody walks past it so that a person, the person, when they walk past the light, he gets it so that the person is in the light. And it almost looks as if, if as if it was set up. Um, I, That's amazing yeah, how people so think of that. Do that. Yeah, it's really, you have to be very patient. You have to be observant, most of all. And that's why I've been working on being more observant. So you can catch those scenes. And and one other thing about street photography is the confidence that you need, I guess you need to have when you're taking photos of people. You know, what when you're when you're just starting to to dabble in street photography. I feel like you know, a lot of people get shy, you know, like to just bring up bring up their camera and take photos of people. I guess like which is understandable because you know, you may be apprehensive to what people may think yeah, when I'm they get their photo taken. Yeah. <laughs> was was that something you felt as well when you started? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. It's very scary. It's very scary because you're so self-conscious. But mm. you and I are very lucky because we both take street photography. Um, we take photos in New York City. Mm-hmm. And in New York City, they really could not, they could care less pretty much whether you're taking a photo of them or not. Mm-hmm. Um, I know we're not there other people in other countries aren't as fortunate and people are a little bit more on guard but generally they just don't care and if they do care then you just have to be nice about it and you have to be you have to be prepared for that confrontation Mm-mm. and and you mentioned New York City um amazing place to take photos and I feel like it's one of the best backdrops especially for street photography but aside from New York City, what are what are some other places where where you enjoy taking photos? Um, I really like, I really enjoy taking hikes. But hmm. let's see, where did, I I I I love taking hikes with people, and I love walking around with people. And so, uh, one of my favorite things to do is just take photographs of of the people that I'm with in those settings, like portraits, I suppose. But also hmm. one of my my most uh, one of the things that I like to do photography wise is documenting. Mm-hmm. So um, I carry around my camera uh, as often as I can to just document my life, to document my friends, because we don't really mm. realize till much later on. Obviously, till years past, when you look at these pictures, and it it's you feel so so nostalgic, and you can't really. The only person that can really make you feel nostalgic is yourself and your friends and your family mm-hmm. and they have those mm-hmm. photos and i feel like some oftentimes i'm always like oh, i wish i took more photos that day or oh, i wish i took videos and so mm-hmm. i'm trying to, to to build that um that habit to take more photos of my friends and stuff i'm i'm, I'm curious and i really want to ask you in um in the same i guess light as as what you just said about uh taking being your camera everywhere and you know saving them as as uh, i guess they, they become part of your memory at some point but i want to ask you like with, with today's you know i guess dig- digital age you know a lot of things are short term you have like store like instagram stories where it's it's only up there for a set amount of time what, what, what do you think about this this move to the digital age where i guess like i don't, I don't know i don't know if photos mean that much anymore mm-hmm. as it once did mm-hmm. oh i think well instagram is a very interesting application and snapchat although snapchat has kind of gotten a little bit down and more people are going toward instagram right for like, mm-hmm. and stuff mm-hmm. i think it's a really cool way to to show people your life and to share with other people especially because you're not you know talking to everyone every day and i think mm-hmm. as long as we don't get we don't forget that instagram is our life then it's okay 
um, one of the things that I, one of the, like the nitty gritty things that I don't like about social media is the instant gratification, which is something that I actually mentioned in my um, Black Friday podcast. Mm-hmm. I hate, I absolutely hate how everybody, including myself, uh, falls victim to it. And they want that that feeling of success right away of, um, oh, I took a nice picture. I put it up there, whatever. But what does it mean to you? What mm. sort of mm. what what sort of story are you telling? What sort of um, feeling are you giving? What sort of feeling does this give you most of all? Like, what are you what are you getting from this? Um, mm. I think that's also why I don't really post much on Instagram either. Because when I when I post a photograph, it's because I've I it it means something to me, um, and it's not because I because I just want to post something or I want to like do something for clout or whatever. Every post that I have on mm. Instagram is because it's meaningful. Mm. Yeah. I, I, I like, cause, cause what kind of photography do you do other than street photography? Like, do you have any projects or do you just shoot spontaneously? I, I used to, uh, I'll give you a, a background as well on my photography. Um, when, when I lived in the Philippines and, you know, I grew up in the Philippines before I moved here to the U S I, I, I got started with, actually shooting like race car like races like when i was a kid oh that's cool. that was yeah that was how i got started with wow. photography that was that was my first exposure to the medium wow. and you know i i hope to be able to do that again I'm, i mean we're in new york i'm, I'm not <laughs> sure if there's race car dry, dry, uh, races in here <laughs> but um yeah i mean if i do get the chance to do that again i would i would love to do that it was very exciting just because like a car would pass by and like two seconds and you had to like like your shutter speed had to be insanely high yeah. to be able to catch this car and stuff so i really enjoyed that and um i haven't i haven't invested a lot of time in into portrait photography um yeah that come, come to think about it i haven't invested a lot of time into that so maybe that's another that's another style that i want to try because like you said like showing you know, like the stories behind people and mm-hmm. making them proud of who they are. This is the type of things that I that I want to get into. So I guess, yeah, portrait photography. I've done a little bit mm-hmm. of portrait photography, but I'm more into street photography. Yeah, you know what it and, is too. Like, um, yeah, if you don't mind, um, yeah, photography has also become incredibly therapeutic for me ever since I mm. got to school. And mm. whenever I go out to take photographs, I it's, it's something that I do for myself so that I have time to think and I have time to be in my own world because, you know, as a, as a journalist, you're often thinking about other things that are going on. Mm. You barely, you don't really have much time to reflect. So I kind of use that time to, to, to reflect on my life. And I guess, I guess it shows in the photography because whatever I'm photographing, it, it's whatever state I'm in at the time. Mm-hmm. Do you, do you like expressing yourself through your, to your photography yeah yeah i do and i'm I'm learning more i'm trying to learn more about how to do that how to be more expressive with it mm-hmm. why i'm um, i'm studying at the moment uh i guess self-studying um mm. light and shadows and seeing how i could that could play into the different types of photography that i do what, what kind of what kind of uh what kind of lessons have you learned from from studying that the the only lesson that i have learned so far <laughs> is to one light is consistent depending i guess depending on you know uh you can you can predict light depend depend depending on where the sun is and mm. two you have to be incredibly patient 
because you have to wait for it to come. I feel like with I feel like with these things with with like um like light and shadows. I feel like with these things it's better off not editing the photo oh, yeah. afterwards, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. But um yeah, cuz a lot of people you know, a lot of people use Lightroom and Lightroom is 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 a is a great software, especially with um with all the things you can do with like Lightroom and Photoshop. But um do, do you edit your photos? Like do you put a, a put a big emphasis on on that or you just want to leave the photos as as is. Yeah, you, usually with portraits, you have to do a little bit of editing. Um, but if I'm just taking photographs of still life, I don't really edit it much. If I if I am editing it, it's because I want to emphasize where the light is and where the light isn't, and I put a little bit more of um, a natural looking tone to it. Like I just adjust the the shadows and the highlights and the midtones to make it seem more natural as if like you're stepping into the scene yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. Cause uh, I do the same thing with uh, sort of with Lightroom and stuff like that. Um, Cause I, I take a lot of photos in raw because I feel like there's a lot of like freedom with yeah. what you can do with like a raw photo. Yeah. But sometimes like, I feel like I just want to shoot in JPEG, you know what I mean? And just like you said, be in the moment mm-hmm. and, I feel like I feel like I'm I'm thinking too much about like the outcome and how the how the photo looks rather than what I'm trying to tell. So, you know, that's that's uh that's some of the some of the things I've been thinking about as well in, in terms of my own photography. Mm-hmm. Um, and in that same light as as uh your own photography style, would you would would you have like a general theme as to how you would describe yours, or you adapt you always adapt to different situations and it always changes. Yeah, that's something I, I think about often whenever I get existential about photography because mm. people always think about, oh, how do I get a consistent theme? Mm. Do I have consistency, blah, blah, blah? How do I make something? How do I make, how do I get people to know that the work they're looking at is mine? And mm. that it's just so, for me personally, because I've only recently started to get into photography, be really serious about it, it would be mm. premature of a question to ask myself. And so I, de- I think that I'm more adaptive now because I have to be, because I don't know where my direction is yet. I'm still, I'm still learning and I'm still growing. Mm-hmm. And I also don't want to put myself in a box either by saying, oh, this is my theme. Oh, this is, this is how you know it's my work. I, right. yeah, I just, I just, I just want to go with the flow. And like I said, it's therapeutic. So whatever I see, I take a photo of and I reflect on it. Mm-hmm. I want to, I want to talk specifically about equipment. And, and you mentioned earlier that you have a Fujifilm, and I do have a Fujifilm as well. Mm-hmm. And I love, I love the Fujifilm. I guess family of cameras, camera bodies, lenses, stuff like that. Someone. Yeah. <laughs> um, I I saw your hashtag. I believe you have a Fuji X one hundred. I believe is your camera. Yeah, I have a. I have I have two of them actually. I have, okay. Um, I have an XT three, which is the first wow. mirrorless I got, and it was like a gift to myself because. I had been working right out of college and I was like, oh my God, I'm so stressed out. I mm. never, I don't really buy things for myself. So that was the first gift I ever had ever gotten for myself and like ever. Um, mm. And then I recently got the um, X100V because I I had shot with an X100 series before. And this, this X100V has been my main, as you say, driver. And I take it everywhere with me. And uh that's that's how i've been just been very spontaneous and very observant because of that of that little camera 
Oh, so so the X one hundred V isn't uh isn't a mirrorless camera? It's a mirrorless too. It's a point and shoot technically. Ah. Yeah, but it has ah, analog switches of like of a Fuji film. That's that Fuji film is known for. Yeah, I'm looking at the X one hundred V right now. Um, in in terms of lenses, do do you have a go go to lens for for either camera? Um, the Fuji, the X one hundred V is a fixed lens, so that's always going to have a twenty three mm-hmm. millimeter, um, which is a thirty five millimeter equivalent because it's mm-hmm. all Fuji film is cropped, as you know. Um, yeah. But I I actually really enjoy shooting with prime lenses. So mm. in the last week, um, I started shooting with a fifty a fifty millimeter millimeter, which mm-hmm. is the equivalent of like a seventy five or something for street, because I wanted to see what it would be like to have really up close. Of close street fo- uh, photographs, mm. um, but I, How'd that go? I didn't do it long enough, so I can't tell you. Mm. But it was fun. It was fun because you had to. I had to adapt to a whole new focal length because I usually shoot with a, a twenty-three. Um, yeah, with a twenty-three, you could you could still be pretty far from your subject. And, exactly. Right. Yeah, you can. Um, but I wanted to be up close. I wanted to see what it was like to take up close street photographs and like hone in on a scene as opposed mm. to. Um, having to analyze a whole scene you just I, I wanted like the viewer or the the person looking at the photograph to know exactly what I wanted them to see but you've tried shooting with uh zoom lenses before as well right yeah when when I had my DSLR I shot with uh, zoom lenses but um when I got the mirrorless because they're so expensive I haven't bought a zoom lens mm. um, but then yeah they're insanely expensive so yeah I I just I can't justify buying one since I, it's just a hobby right now. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. If we're going to look at the bright side, you know, the prime lenses uh, take away that extra guessing for you, right? Because like you said before, you you want your photography to be more seamless and to be in the moment. Mm-hmm. If you have a zoom mm-hmm. lens, you're going to be fiddling with the zoom and you're going to have to fiddle with the um, the settings and whatnot. So it just t- it takes the, the that one step from getting the shot away from you. If uh, If you had like, um one i guess go to ensemble for for your your camera gear what what would what would be that would it be the what you have currently or do you do you want like something like um what is it like more compact mm-hmm. i've never been one to like really uh think about gear like that but mm. uh i shot with because the lenses are so expensive for a whole year i shot with my xd3 and a 20 and a 23 and those two have been really amazing because I have the Fujifilm, uh, is it 23 or 24? 23, 23, 1.4. And mm. um, because it's so open, you get really amazing portraits. And then you can also get a lot of light in when you're in a low light situation so that you don't have to push the ISO up and you get like a kind of grainy. Um, a grainy exactly. Graph. Yeah. I, I love that combination mostly because it's all I've ever shot, <laughs> but it's, it's, it's done. It's been amazing for me. Like I've taken it hiking. I've taken photographs, uh, portraits with it, I've done street with it. And I think it's probably the most versatile that I've ever shot with. Yeah, I agree. I agree with, with that ensemble. And uh, I'm running, I'm running a 35 actually, a 35 mil with, uh, I still have an XT 10, which mm-hmm. is like from eight, like many, many years ago. Mm-hmm. But I feel like, you know, I feel like, with the camera gear like if it's just a hobby then you don't really need to upgrade no not at to... all not at yeah all. so i'm still sticking with my uh xt3 uh X- xt10 my trusty xt10 that i am still running t- till this day <laughs> but um 
yeah, like you said, XT3 is amazing. Um, I'm not sure. Maybe I'm, I'm still thinking about whether I should upgrade to a, a better body or I should just buy more lenses. Because, I mean, XT10 takes, takes great photos and I love using it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know. I don't know. What do you, what do you think? Should I... Should I upgrade to a body, at, a new, better body at some point? Or, I mean, my camera is like five years old already, too. Right. Um, I guess that. I guess that depends on your your priorities. But, I, I mean, you have been shooting with the XT. You said ten, right? XT ten. Yeah, it was like the baby brother of the XT one. Been shooting with that for a really long time, so you know exactly the ins and out of that camera. So whenever mm-hmm. whenever you're out shooting, you know you know exactly what you have to you have to change settings wise. I I think I would invest in in lenses because lenses are forever, you know. The, in, yeah. in the next like ten months, they're gonna come out with another new Fuji film, and then ten mm. months after that, they're gonna come up with another one. And it's just mm. you know, it's the same with Instagram, where it's instant gratification. Technology is constantly changing, and you're never gonna be able to keep up with it unless you have money to just blow like that. Exactly. I mean, one of the exactly. reasons why I got the X100 fee is mm. not because one I needed it; I really didn't need it, but I wanted to have a camera that I could take around with me and not like be so worried about um, banging it up because the X-T3 is, is if I were ever to go commercially, I would use the X-T3 commercially and I want to preserve that. But I also mm. want the X-100V to last me a long time and I know it will because a lot of people still shoot with the X-100S, which mm. is the second, the second edition. So whenever I buy gear, I always buy it with the, um, the intention of longevity. The value, right? As mm-hmm. as you've said in in your Black Friday episode, yeah, your podcast, yeah exactly. Right? exactly. With in terms of in terms of your photography, um, do do you, do you feel like there are still some areas where specific areas where you're saying like I need to improve on this and stuff like that? Where, where do you see yourself taking your photography skills in in the future? I am actually, I definitely can improve. I 100 percent can improve. I always believe that in anything. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. What, are, what what could I improve on? I don't know. I, I have to think about that. Um, I can, let's see. I, I mean, in the future, actually what I'm, I want to work on right now is um, a photography zine, like a little magazine, not so much of a book, but a little magazine uh, for myself to document my house. I could, mm. I, I've lived in here for like 14 years in this house. I don't live in the city either. I live in, I live in Rockland County. And I lived in this house for 14 years and I'm I'm going to move out soon because my parents want to downsize. I have uh, two other siblings and they're all going to move out. And mm. my parents can't really slash don't really want to keep up with how, with the, the maintenance of the house and mortgage and whatnot. And so I know I'm going to be very nostalgic about it when I move out. So I want to have a little bit of a, of a, a remembrance. And so that's why I'm paying attention to light and I'm paying attention to my house and I'm being more observant because I'm taking photographs for the, for the magazine. And my hope is that um, one of the things that I need to learn is more of one, how to tell a story through a set of photographs. I, I, mm. I want to, I think I need to learn a little bit better how to storytell that way and to, to be a little bit more patient with photography, for the yeah, photography projects I'm taking on. And I know this one is going to take some time. And then three, I want to learn how to, um, I guess, look at the, I don't know how you would you, I, I don't know how you would describe this, but like how the process of creating uh, a photo book and a magazine is a little bit of a smaller version of that. So I want to understand how formatting works, how I would organize the pictures. Um, 
side by side or should it be like one photograph on, on one page to another? Um, I, I, how, do, how do you get something like that uh, published? Like the, the uh, like a photography like zine, like photography magazine. Right. How does that get published? Well, it you can go the long way, which is like full customization. Mm-hmm. So you have to talk to, to, to paper companies, to publishers who will make that happen for you. But there's mm. also websites. So there are also websites where you can do it online and you have full control over it too, but you don't you can't really control what paper you use specifically. Mm. Um yeah, I, I I don't know, I'm still learning, but yeah, so I'm I'm doing it online just so I can have the basics down. So I can kind of understand what it means to take on a project from from start to finish, because I've never done something like that before. If you ever do something like that uh, I would I would appreciate it if you could make a second copy and I'll, I'll buy it oh. I'll buy it from you and I I want I want to I want to see what, what what kinds of uh what kind of photo sets you can you can create with just pictures from your house and um I, I think that speaks volumes to the the power of photography is that everywhere you go you can tell a story whether it's at your house or the backyard or something and um you know that's that's what people should take away um in terms of photography yeah um, yeah. I mean, I wouldn't even ask you to pay for it. I'd just give it to you. <laughs> <laughs> I would appreciate it. And I uh, that's another project of yours that mm-hmm. I'm looking forward to. Mm-hmm. Um, um, like, I I am, I hold a lot of meaning to the house. I've lived here mm-hmm. pretty much all my life. Mm-hmm. And I hope that through the photo sets, people could feel that same way of, like, of a deep connection to just a place. Mm-hmm. And I hope people can, if uh, you know, if anyone looks at the photographs, I hope they can put themselves in my shoes and sort of feel that that sadness of having to say goodbye to something, to to some place that you've known all your life, and having to move on into the next chapter of your life. I agree. Um, to to those that to those people listening who who maybe are starting, uh, you know, their photography journey or just getting started on their photography. What, what, what are some things that, that you want to tell them in terms of like getting started uh, with photography? Um, one, don't worry about your gear. You know, mm. if you want to start with photography and you don't have money to buy a camera, um, don't be afraid of asking your friends, you know, uh, if you could borrow their stuff or just take photographs on your phone because the phone has evolved so greatly that the, the camera can match pretty much some of the cameras that they have out there on the market nowadays, which is crazy. Mm. Um, don't, don't, don't worry so much about what other people are going to think about you and about your art, because at the end of the day, art is always going to be subjective. And you know, you create with the presupposition that, that someone is going to look at it one day, but you should never create because you think that's what they want to see. You should always create because it's what you want to create and you're doing it for yourself. Because the moment that you start the yeah, the moment that you start second guessing yourself, then it's not gonna it's not gonna represent who you are as an artist or as a photographer. And when you create for yourself, you're never gonna disappoint. Um also like it's really cool if if it would be really great for you to to look into other photographers and to find people find some sort of like I guess like aesthetic or look that you really like and you can that can sort of help drive you to or point you in a direction um to where you know what kind of photographs you might enjoy what kind of photographs you might enjoy taking or what kind of photographs you will end up liking 
um, I took like a, a, a 101 photography class in, in Stony Brook just to fulfill mm-hmm. like, uh, the tech credit. And mm-hmm. it ended up being really eye-opening because I got introduced to all these photographers because I didn't think to look into different types of photographers. That's how I learned about Vivian Marr and Dwayne Michaels. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, so just you just have to start somewhere and you have to try your best to not think about what other people are going to think. And you just, for most of all, you have to create because it's what you want to do. It's not because people are telling you to create something. Thanks for saying that stuff. And I, I think that applies to not only photography, but with every everything in life as well, doing things for yourself because you love doing it and not doing it for the other people. Um, I, I That's very powerful because I that's sort of the same mindset that I share in terms of this podcast. Um, I really enjoy having conversations like this, you know, especially with interesting people like you and, and the connections that I make with other people. And, um, you know, actually, uh, if you go back to the episode with Lanier, um, when I did that episode, he talked about how, you know, he's doing Twitch streaming yeah. because he loves doing it. Yeah, yeah. And, and uh, he loves like making people laugh and making people smile. And like this, he mentioned that the success is like, it, it, you know, he, he doesn't really have that as a priority. And, mm-hmm. you know, I think that's how a lot of people should approach whatever they're passionate about. So um, thank you so much, Steph, for being here today and for sharing not only your background in photography, but also a glimpse into who you are as a person. So thank you so much for being here. Yes, thank you so much for inviting me. I, I, I really enjoyed talking to you, especially since it's been a while. Mm-hmm. And uh, to, to the listeners, thank you so much for listening to this episode. If you would like to know more about Steph, like I said, uh, her podcast, Ice Cream for Breakfast on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. And also check out her Instagram uh, as well. Um, thank you so much for listening. Uh, if you would like to find out more about the podcast, uh, you could head over to dabblereffect.com. Uh, you can check out my blog where I write about men's fashion and other things that I dabble on. Uh, Thank you so much, everyone.